Let's pray together. Most Holy Father, thank you, Father, for the opportunity to talk to you and share our heart with you, Father. First, really appreciate you not leaving us and, and having love and compassion, mercy and grace for us as we uh, again showed our, our weakness by sinning against you and one another. Father, thank you for this body here at North Brevard. Thank you, Father, that we are humble, just humble, knowing that we need you, and we need one another. Father, we pray for some of our sick, ask you to bless all of them. No Missy Robinson, she's having to deal with cancer, Father. We 
ask you to return her to her normal health. We pray for Bill Larner. We know he has a, has surgery and has a, a internal bleeding. We ask you to, to stop the bleeding, Father, and, and heal him. Father, we pray for Lord Dickerson, who had AFib, and we, we pray for him, Father. We ask that you, you help him. And Brenda Scott, who is, uh, was in ICU and understands she's in a regular room, please, please return her to her normal state of health, Father. Father, we uh, have more Bobby Securo, who's, who's in Saudi Arabia, Father, we, we ask that you heal him and, and return him, Father, to, to a healthy, healthy situation. Father, be with the close family members because it's, it's just hard when you have somebody who's sick and uh, and, and Father, we, we pray that uh, with them that they remain hopeful and faithful in you. And we pray that your will be done. Father, we, we really thank uh, the gospel preacher for his message this morning. It was really thorough and fulfilling. And we pray that it is food for the souls of your people. Father, be with us as we continue in you. Be with us as we take up our cross and follow Jesus. And thank you for our Lord and Savior. We pray this prayer in his name. Amen. prepare our minds to, for the Lord's Supper, we'll sing Ivory Palaces. My Lord has done me so wondrous fine, and
Shall we pray? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you this evening. We want to we want to praise you and we want to thank you. We want to thank you for all that you've done through this for for us on this life and the many years that that you've taken care of this earth be, before before we came. Father, at this time, we're especially thankful for Jesus. We're thankful for the plan that you laid down long ago that that he would be willing to come here and he would be willing to to, to live a live a perfect life for us and 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 be a sacrifice for us we know father that that jesus came to, to to do your will and and he laid down his life at this time father we're, we're thankful for this bread that represents his body we're we're thankful for the power that's that's in the crucifixion and and we ask that you'll bless this bread and bless each one of us as we partake of it first in christ's name we pray amen Continuing in thanks, Father. We're thankful for the blood that was shed. We know that all throughout the Old Testament, many animals were, were, were sacrificed and, the, and their blood was taken. But we know that only Jesus' blood is able to, to, to wash away our sins for, for, forever and for good. We're, we're thankful for that power that's, that's in the blood. We're thankful that, that he was willing to, to, to shed it for us. As we take this fruit of the vine that, that represents the blood, help us to, to cast our minds back to the cross and be pure and clean unto thee. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Father, we're thankful for everything that you do for us. We're thankful for our homes. We're thankful for the, for the warm, quiet place that we have in here. We're thankful for our jobs, our opportunity to, 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 to be able to, to help provide for our families and our friends. At this time, Father, we, we, we want to give back part of that, that this community might continue to, to see us as a shining light and, and know that, that, there, that we are a place for, to come. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're able and it's convenient, please stand.
right, so our series on Joshua, Son of Nun, is coming to an end. We have this study and potentially one more, depending on how far into this one we can get. There's a few little extras I want to add to it. Um, and if I can, I will. If not, we'll do one more. Um, remember, we're at the place where Joshua is now old. Remember, last week we spent a lot of time talking about Caleb, his partner in crime, if you will, his 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 being the other spy of the 12, the two that were good, Joshua, Caleb. Caleb just goes and he is defeating the town named after the greatest son of Anak, the greatest Nephilim, the, the big, the, the greatest giant of all time. That's in your own Bibles. That's in your own scriptures. If you want to argue with that, you can argue with the scriptures, not me. And now we get to the, probably the part that's a little bit more known. And probably people don't really know that much about Caleb, but everybody has heard some of the scripture we're going to read tonight. In fact, one of the most famous verses in all of Joshua is something we're going to read tonight. It's something you've heard probably many times. If you've been going to church for any amount of time in your life, you've probably heard what we're going to talk about tonight a little more. So Joshua is now old in age. And he calls everyone together. And he says something. I'm gonna, I just want to read this. This is a risk that I'm taking tonight. But I want to read this. It's 16 verses. I want to read it. I want you to hear it as if you're the crowd and Joshua is speaking to us today. I want you to hear what he said to them. I also, as you look through these scriptures, I want you to see the emphasis that Joshua makes over and over and over again. And then we're going to go straight into chapter 24, just for a few verses as well. I'm going to read them all straight through because in chapter 24, it is no longer Joshua speaking to the people of Israel. It is God speaking to the people of Israel. And I want you to see the emphasis that God makes as well. And I think you'll see that the two agree. Let's go ahead and get started and then we'll kind of unpack it afterwards. A long time afterward when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their surrounding enemies and Joshua was old and well advanced in years, Joshua summoned all Israel, its elders and heads, heads of the families, its judges, its judges, which were already around, and officers, and said to them, I am now old and well advanced in years. And you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. For it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes those nations that remain along with all the nations that I have already cut off from the Jordan to the great sea in the west. So he's saying it's time to go. It's time to go finish the job. Verse 5, the Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight. And you shall possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. Are you guys picking up on what he's putting down yet? Therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left, that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you or make mention of the names of, the, of their gods or swear by them or serve them or bow down to them, but you shall cling to the Lord your God, just, just as you have done to this day. 
For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, listen, imagine being in this crowd. Imagine. They know everything he's saying is true. And he's about to pump them up in a way. Just imagine if you could say this as a coach to your team. Imagine if you could say this as a boss to your employees. Imagine if you could say this as a preacher to your church. Let me start back in verse 9. For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you puts to flight a thousand. When they see one of you coming, a thousand of them will run the other way because they know that God is fighting for you. I said that, but uh, so does Joshua. Since it is the Lord, your God, who fights for you. Just as he promised you, be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. For if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you and make marriages with them so that you associate with them and they with you, know this for certain, that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. But they shall be a snare and a trap for you, a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good ground that the Lord your God has given you. And now I'm about to go the way of all the earth. And you know in your heart and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. But just as all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things. Until he has destroyed you from off this good land that the Lord your God has given you. If you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go on and serve other gods and bow down to them, then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you. And you shall perish quickly from off the good land that he has given to you. So I want you to see one thing, and then we're gonna jump right into 24. Who's Joshua giving all the credit to? It's all about God. The only thing that Israel has to do is be faithful to their covenant. The only thing that Israel has to do is follow the word of God. The only thing that Israel has to do is listen to the promises, the blessings, and also remember, remember when he said we were in Joshua and he talks about how he read the whole book of the law of Moses and he said not just the blessings but the curses, the blessings and the curses. Well, you just saw the blessings. He says, look at all that God has already done for you. And you've got this much to finish up on your own. And all you have to do is keep doing what we've been doing and God will drive them out before you. Look what he's done for you. But if you don't, there will be curses. Now in 24, I told you, we're just gonna read a few verses. I'm gonna save you the history lesson because 24 is mostly a history lesson from before Abraham up to their present time. 
And this is God speaking to Israel. And again, he gathers all the people and the judges and, and everybody's there. The elders, the heads, the judges, the officers. Everybody's there yet again. Verse 2 is where we'll pick up. And Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. See, it's no longer Joshua speaking for himself. He's speaking for the Lord. He says, now pay attention to the little nuggets you're about to get. Yet again, we could read over things fast and we missed the little nuggets. Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago, your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates. Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor. And look what it says right there. And they served other gods. They served other gods. Well, where does Abraham come from? He comes from the land of Ur, of the Chaldeans. And his family, just like everybody else there, was serving the other gods. What gods were they serving? Probably the same gods that they found serving in Egypt. Probably the same gods that they found serving in Canaan. One of these days, I'm going to get this together for you guys, I promise you. This study in Joshua's maybe wanted to get it together even quicker. But I want to make sure it's right, and it's a lot of study. It's been a lot of extra study on my plate, and that's not, I'm not complaining. I'm just telling you why it's taking me so long. But if you start to look at the ancient scriptures that are not biblical, the ancient scriptures that are not biblical, the rest of this story starts to actually get painted for you. Like, for example, we spent some time talking about the sons of Anak last week. Anybody go and Google sons of Anak? Spark anybody's curiosity to see who are these sons of Anak? Is there anybody else who talks about the sons of Anak? Yes, there actually is. There actually is. It's the Sumerians. For those of you who have any types of curiosities of, um, of um, conspiracies. For those of you who might like to watch things like ancient aliens or anything like that that you might see. Now I'm serious. Hold on. When you hear the th when you hear the word Anunnaki, which is the one they like to use, that comes from the Sumerian text. Now the Anunnaki or the sons of Anak are the first kings of the Sumerians. Right now in your world that you live in, in present time, you have two ancient literatures that people do not dispute as being the two oldest, the two that have survived the longest, the two that come from the farthest back, and that is the Jewish tradition, which we read, and the Sumerian tradition. Now the Sumerians all had kings that were blah, 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 Anak. Go look. It's in their own history. I wonder where they were at. I wonder what part of land they came from. I wonder exactly where they were before Israel came and destroyed them along with Caleb. And, and You know what's really interesting? If you take those two, those two and, you, and you 
take their list of their kings, and, and I'm just going to let you know, their kings lived you know, anywhere from 10 to 50,000 years at a time. If you give them more realistic numbers, just like you find in the Bible, guess what you see? You see a timeline that's developed that is on the same stage. By the way, do you know what the sons of Anak's great claim to fame was? Do you know why they were considered gods? Not just because they were giants, but they were the only people, according to their scripture, that survived the worldwide flood. You're starting to see how all this connects. You're starting to see how all this connects to even Ham and his descendants. There's so much I want to explain to you, but it's going to take a long time, and I want to make sure I get it just right. Because it's right there. You see, the reality is, outside of Abraham, the majority of the world was serving these false gods. And even Abraham comes from a place where his own family was serving these false gods. And if we're being honest, probably before God pulls Abraham out of that situation, Abraham himself and Sarah, his wife, were probably serving false gods. Look what he says here. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac. And to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. And I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. And I sent Moses and Aaron and I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it. And afterward, I brought you out. This is the pattern that you see all through Joshua 24 as God recounts the history of his people and what he's done for his people. Now I skipped a few verses because I told you I was going to skip the history lesson because we've been going over it pretty consistently recently. And I feel like if you've been coming consistently, you already know it. You can almost retrace that timeline from Abraham all the way up to present day in the scriptures with Joshua. So here's that moment where Joshua, now he, he flips it on the people. And I don't want you to miss this either. Because there's something little that's about to happen that's surrounding these scriptures that many of us know very, very well. Verse 14 says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt. And serve the Lord. And then he says this. And why would he say this? Why would he? Ask yourself this question. Why would he say this? Why would he say this to the people of Israel? Why would he say this to God's people, to God's army that has been faithfully following God, serving no other gods, and that's why God keeps giving them the victory? Why would he say this? He says, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, why would he say that? Every one of us have read that scripture how many times in your life? Have you ever asked that question? Why would he say that? 
Is it hyperbole? I think the context of the scripture is going to tell you something a little different. Verse 15, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. You have to make a choice, Israel, whether the gods of your father served in the region beyond the river, whether it's the gods of Abraham's parents, if you will, or whether it's the gods of the Amorites and the Canaanites and the land that you dwell in right now. You have to make a choice. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's why, that's why we love that scripture. Everybody knows the choice is still the same to this day. The choice has not changed. That scripture is still relevant to this day. That call is still relevant to this day. God's people are still making this choice to this day. Are you going to choose the idols of the world? Are you going to choose the gods, if you will, of the world? Or are you going to choose to follow the one true living God? It's still the choice today. Now, in the context of the scripture, we see something else. Verse 19 takes a little bit of another twist. It's a little difficult as you read it. It says, but Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. You're not able to. For he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If, if, if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. I pulled you out. If you become the people I pulled you out from, then I'm going to treat you the same way I treated the people that I removed for you. Now, right now, some of you, this should be taking you back to that moment before AI. Where they failed because they did not honor what God had told them to do. And God treated the people in the camp of Israel that had failed, that had sinned against God, the same as the enemy. As far as even stacking the rocks on their grave, if you will. It should also make you think of um, from the flip side where the scriptures talk about how God makes it rain on the good and the evil. He not only will punish good and evil, he will also allow good and evil to prosper. And the people said to Joshua, no, I don't think they said it quite like that, but that's me. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. And you got to be like, yeah, right? Like, this is exactly what we want to hear. This is the response we need to have. You know, no matter what comes our way, we're going to serve the Lord. But there's still a problem. Verse 22, then Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. Your witnesses against yourself. Is that starting to feel a little funny to you too? And they said, we are witnesses. 
He said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you. Do you hear what he's saying? All this time, you know, we pick on that, un, that, that generation, the called generation that never made it to the promised land. What about this one? They're going through. God is, God is, think about this. Yeah, I skipped a scripture where he talks about sending the hornet in front of the Amorites. It's not even that they're just going and laying siege to fortified cities and those fortified cities are being destroyed and the, the, the impossible is being done. He's bringing whole armies of people out of their fortified cities. It would have been the dumbest mistake you could make as a leader. Why'd you build those walls if you're just going to run out of them when times get tough? You're losing tactical advantages because God did it. God made them come out from their protection. So they're experiencing all this. Remember the, 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 the hailstones that killed more people than the actual armies of Israel did? Remember, they, they experienced all this. The failure before AI, they experienced all this. The walls falling in Jericho, they experienced all this. The sun and moon standing still, for who knows how long, but longer than a day. They experienced all this. They were doing the impossible. They were taking a land nobody would even think about messing with. You know why? Because they were the biggest cities. They were the scariest cities. And they had the biggest warriors. No one messed with the Canaanites. No one messed with the sons of Anak. It was a saying that the people knew. And yet, they're destroying all the foreign idols, all the idol worship, all the, they're destroying all that all through Canaan. But they're not destroying the ones in their tents. You see that? That's why he says, incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord, our God, we, serve, we will serve in his voice. We will obey. Now, before we get into the take homes, because I got through that quick as I wanted to. I want to explain to you one more thing. And then we can get on to a new subject next week. Two weeks from now. I want to share with you that if you go into Judges, you will see Joshua is not the end of Joshua. Actually, Judges, at the beginning of Judges, is really the end of Joshua. Does Joshua talk about him being buried? Yes, right here, right after the verses I just read. It says he's 110 years old and he's buried. By the way, you start reading in Judges, the first couple of chapters, you don't get to where Joshua's buried at 110 until a couple chapters in. Because something happens. That's not recorded in the book of Joshua. That is recorded in the book of Judges. You see the angel of the Lord. He comes and visits. And this is after a time. 
where the people of Israel had had their opportunity to go into those foreign lands and fully eradicate the Canaanites from the land, just as God had promised them. And remember, Joshua said, who's going to do the fighting? Who's going to do the driving out? Who's going to make all this happen? Is it the people of Israel that was going to do it? It was God. And if you read carefully, you will see, and if, if you remember back um, last week, the, the excuses that were being made to Joshua about these places, how are we going to go there? This is a hard land. Those are hard people. They got iron chariots. They got this. They got that. And if you go into Judges, guess what you read? You read that these Israelites, they start to, um, um, in their tribes, they start to go and finish what God has called them to do. But over here with this tribe, they get so far and they get stuck. Over here with this tribe, they get so far and they get stuck. I'm not going to sit here and quote all the tribes and every, every. Over here, because of those people with the iron chariots, they can't beat them. Hold on. I thought Joshua promised the people if they would just follow and serve him, that God would do all this for them, just like he's been doing. Hold on. They set out to do it. They never accomplished it. They got stuck. That, you know what that means? That means they lost battles, just like they did at AI. They got stuck for a second. And they never actually finished driving the people out of the land. Why? Because of what you just read. Because of exactly what you just read. Because they kept their idols. And they didn't stop worshiping the foreign gods. They didn't stop worshiping the gods of their fathers. They didn't stop worshiping the Amorite gods of the Canaanites whom God sent them to destroy. They worshiped all of it. And because of that, God's curse began to take shape. You could have been blessed, but you chose to be cursed. And God stopped driving them out. And that's when the angel of the Lord comes and judges. And that's exactly what he says to them. He says, remember what Joshua told you? Let me be the one that announces it. Remember that snare and that trap and that whip to your side and the thorns in your eyes that I promised you these people would be? It's going to happen. And now this good land, which is the land of promise, the, the Canaanite land, now this good land, which becomes the nation of Israel, you won't have it forever. You won't have it forever. You're going to be driven out. That's what happens. And then Joshua dies. And then Judges starts. And after the, the Judges talks about Joshua dying, this is what it says, if I can remember from memory. This is what it says. It says, and then a new generation arose in Israel that did not know God. Or the things that he had done for them. I got no words. But I do have a couple take-homes. 
And oh, by the way, I'll save you the whole study of Judges and let you know that that's what happens over and over and over in the book of Judges. And oh, by the way, you get to the kings and the same promises are being, just return. And the divided kingdoms just return. And the prophets and the minor prophets just return. The captivity, the, 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 the desecration of Israel through Assyria, the, the, the captivity of Judah through Babylon. Oh, just return, just return, just return. Give your idols up and just return. What happens after they return? They start to rebuild. How long does it take before they're enslaved again? Jesus comes, repent, repent, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. You know what that sounds like to me? Return, return to God. You get to Revelation. You start reading about those first, those, the, the first part of Revelation, those seven churches. What do you see? Return to your first love. Repent. Don't be lukewarm. You know, the reality is, is we're talking again, it's just like we talked about this morning. We're talking about human nature. And it is our nature to put ourselves even before what we believe. Our desires at times become more important than even what we believe. That's why we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And that's why I want to give you something that I think is the most beautiful part of this whole story. You know, the story starts with people who serve other gods and God pulls them out. And it goes through and, and there is not a single time in the history. And I know it sounds like I'm picking on the Jewish people, if you will, but I'm not picking on the Jewish people. These are the people of God. These are the only people following Yahweh. We just went through a study in Romans on Wednesday night where Paul himself is saying, hey, there are actual amazing benefits to being a Jew. But you can't read the biblical narrative that is created through the context of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation without realizing that God has used, pursued, and is begging for a return from a fallen, broken people and not one of us in this room or out there or anywhere in the world throughout all of history is not in that category. Not one. Except for the one who came to save. Except for Jesus Christ. Which is why I want to tell you the most beautiful thing about the gospel, the one thing that we have been hitting on hard, and I will not just like I will not keep telling you that Jesus is the only way, I am not going to stop telling you that it is not about you. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of the Bible. That's the beauty of the whole story and context. It's not about if I get more checks for right than wrong, then I can earn my way to heaven. You can't. It's over. That part's done. 
Don't forget that. You know, Satan tries to take those moments where you fail and beat you up with them and hold you down or keep you in that place. Stall you out. So you don't accomplish the will of God that he's put before you. It's not about you. Are you going to make mistakes? Yes. When you're young as a Christian, when you're old as a Christian, all throughout your life? Yes. We say it all the time, but it's so true. You get over one mountaintop, guess what? There's a valley on the other side you got to get through to get to the next mountaintop. That's a reality of life. There's going to be ups and downs. We talk about it, at least I talk about it, because I believe I see this through the context of Scripture as well, as seasons. You're going to go through seasons. Some seasons are going to be really good and full of harvest, and God's going to be doing amazing things in your life, and some seasons are not going to be good. And you're going to have to overcome. And you're going to have to repent. And you're going to have to return. And you're going to have to throw your idols away. And in those moments, I want you to remember this exact line right here. It is not about you. It's about him. He is the source of my strength. He has given me victory. Remember that. You know, Israel should have been the last people. The Jews should have been the last people. In fact, maybe that's exactly why they were the way they were when Jesus comes. To expect the Messiah, the God of everything, to be faithful to him. Because they surely were not faithful to God. People were. Certain people were. Moses was, even though the rest of Israel was saying, let's go back to Egypt. Joshua and Caleb were, even though it seems like the rest of Israel was still worshiping foreign gods and doing their thing. Certain judges were probably even more faithful than other judges, right? You always read Samson, you're like, I'm not really sure he's exactly the most godly guy. And after all, you just read about marrying the Canaanites. He marries a Canaanite. And you can go through the list, but I'll get off that soapbox now. Number two, I want you to remember this. Cling to the Lord. Cling to him. Cling to him in the good times. Cling to him in the bad times. Cling to him when it's coming to you easy and there's a lot of harvest in your life and you're bearing fruit. And cling to him when you're falling apart, when you're going the wrong way, when that voice in your head is saying, that's the way, go that way. And you know you're going the other way. Cling to God. Cling to him. Love him. Love the Lord your God. Fear the Lord. You know, if you ever get that pit in your belly that's telling you that you, need to, that you need to clean up your life, that you need to fix some things in your life, don't ignore that. That's the fear of the Lord. And serve Him with sincerity and faithfulness. Be sincere in your service. Don't do it out of obligation. Don't do it because you might be smitten if you're not. Doing it? Do it out of sincerity. And be faithful. 
in and out of season. Be faithful. In and out of struggle. Be faithful. So I go back to that choice because at the end of the day, the choice is yours. It's always been ours. It's never going to stop being ours. It's the whole reason why there was something to choose in the garden from the very beginning. And you still have a choice to this day. Are you going to listen to God and follow him? Or are you going to do whatever you want? Are you going to seek to serve the God, the one true living God? Or are you going to seek to serve and become your own God? The choice is still the same. But who will you serve? And are you willing to put away the idols of this world? Because the world's trying to teach you to idolize and make idols in your life of all kinds of things that are not leading you any closer to the Lord. Where are you at today? Are you clinging to God? Are you trusting in Him to be your source of strength and your victory? Where are you at? Or are you still holding your idols in your tent hoping nobody knows? Where are you at today? If there's a need to respond to the invitation, you can come as together we stand and sing. Bartley has asked us to pray for her two sisters, Luz and Lena. Luz had a stroke and Lena is, is in very poor health. Please keep her, keep her and them in your prayer. Lloyd Dickerson is, is in AFib. Please continue, continue to pray for him. Uh, also, there's a, there's a long list here and I'll just highlight a couple that, that's on our list. Uh, Bill Larner had surgery Wednesday. Continue to pray for him that, 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 that he gets better. Amy Robinson, Mitzi, still undergoing treatment for, for cancer, and please, please continue to pray for her. Bobby Securo, please continue to pray for him, for his strength and for, for his uh, coordination that, that he might be able to, 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 to be all right someday too. 
this week. Tomorrow is the finale of the two weeks that we've been working to, to, to get ready for tomorrow. There's a lot of work that goes on. We, we call it tomorrow's food pantry day, but, but actually it's, it's pretty much two weeks. People are bringing in food, people are sorting out food, people are bagging food, and, and tomorrow we get to present our gift to the, to the community as, as they come and, and, and accept the, the food that, that's been prepared. And thank you, and thank you for the, for, for the work that I know will be done, done tomorrow. Uh, Wednesday, we're going to eat at 6 o'clock p.m., and we're going to sing at 7, so please, please come to that and, and enjoy, the, enjoy the fellowship before, and then uh, what, what could it hurt? We might learn a new song or something, you know, what, what can, I, can we say? Uh, Saturday is Trunk or Treat, please come to that. It starts at, at 6 o'clock, and that's it. Thank you very much. Sing Amazing Grace and then have our closing prayer. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but Heavenly Father, we thank you for this blessed day that you have given us to come together to, to hear your word, to fellowship with one another, to help strengthen each other through our prayers. And we pray, Father, that as we leave this place, Father, that we would take the strength that we've gained and strengthen, take the knowledge that we have gained that we would let our light shine in the community. Let us not, let us not forget those that are sick and suffering. Let us be aware of those around us that are in torment and pain. Let us help those, Father, that do not know the peace, the hope, and the promise that we have through you and your son, Jesus Christ, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. <clears throat>